Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. These are happening April 9th, and I, I haven't put them in the upcoming events thing because they're, <clears throat> they're really national or international in scope rather than local. Uh, we're all familiar, I think, with the Azusa Street Revival that happened about 110 years ago. Well, Lou Engel and The Call uh, have leased the L.A. Coliseum uh, just a few blocks from Azusa Street. Uh, there, there was a prophecy uh, as the Azusa Street Revival was winding down that in a hundred years uh, there there would be another greater outpouring even. And so they are gathering, they hope to gather a hundred thousand people in the LA Coliseum to cry out to the Lord for for that, for the fulfillment of, of that prophecy. And and it's interesting, that's happening on the West Coast. The same day on the East Coast, there's a gathering of pastors that's happening in Washington, D.C. to cry out to the Lord for our nation. And uh, <clears throat> I don't think the two knew about each other until they had selected dates and everything. But uh, it's interesting to me that that that's happening. And I, I just, whether or not we can physically participate, uh, I, I want us to join with those groups in prayer for our nation and for the Lord to pour out His Spirit again because He is the hope for our nation. So, um, you know, today we celebrate Palm Sunday the day of Jesus' triumphal entry. And today we, we think about the cross, and uh, I want to celebrate the cross today, but with, with a little bit different emphasis than, than maybe we've heard in, in the past. So <clears throat> to honor the day, I thought we would read Matthew 21, 1 through 11, that speaks of the triumphal entry. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied to and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. 
Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And and it's interesting um, what they were saying. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It, they, they were welcoming him as the Messiah. But just a short time later, they, they would be asking for Barabbas and, and shouting, crucify him. Um, <clears throat> but Jesus had something to say about those specific words later on in, in Matthew 23 that relates to his second coming. And this is one of the reasons that we, we need to pray for Jerusalem and pray for the Jewish people because Jesus' return is dependent upon their condition. Uh, because Jesus said this in Matthew 23, starting in verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So it's, it's not until the Jewish people recognize Jesus as Messiah that he will come back. And so we're saying Hosanna, but we want them to be saying Hosanna too. <laughs> uh, let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for your wonderful provision for us in, in the atonement of Jesus. Uh, we are so grateful that you are indeed God with us. And, and more than that, you're, you're God in us. And I, I just ask for revelation and, and wisdom to walk in what is the truth and, and to, um, to know the truth by experience uh, for the glory of your Son. Amen. <clears throat> so last week, we, we looked at the atonement of Jesus and, and what that means to us. Um, but today I want to look at the cross from more of a personal standpoint for us as the people of God who have the Spirit of God dwelling in us. Um, 
the Bible tells us that Jesus died for us. Um, but it also seems to tell us that, that he not only died for us, but he died as us. And, and that's something, that's a truth that, that we need to grasp. As Paul says, that, that we were crucified with him. Uh, and, and that means something to us in, in terms of who we are, in, in terms of who we're not, <laughs> in, in terms of what's, what's possible for us. So, so that's kind of what I want to focus on today. And hopefully the Holy Spirit will shed some additional light in, into our hearts related to being crucified with Christ. And I, I read that, uh, that quote from uh, Anselm last week. I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and read that again because it was so... So good. Uh, <clears throat> and this is from his satisfaction theory of the atonement. Satisfaction cannot be made unless there be one able to pay God for man's sin something greater than all that is beside God or all that is other than God. Now nothing is greater than all that is beside God except God himself. And none, therefore, can make this satisfaction except God. And none ought to make that satisfaction except man. If then it be necessary that the kingdom of heaven be completed by man's admission, and if man cannot be admitted unless the aforesaid satisfaction for sin be first made, and if God only can and man only should make this satisfaction, then necessarily one must make it who is both God and man. And, and we know that's, that's who Jesus was. Being fully God and, and fully man, he was the only one who had enough value to pay the, the debt, <clears throat> but also was man and was in a position to pay the, the debt. And, and so we understand that, that death came into the human race through sin by the first Adam. And, and this is what Paul says in, in Romans 5. But because of, <clears throat> it was because of sin that was passed on from Adam and Eve to all of humanity except Jesus that we all uh, are, 
are due to die. We, the wages of our sin is death. But we know Jesus, he didn't earn those wages. He, he did not have to die. He's the only human ever who, who didn't come under that curse by, by his own doing. And that's what Paul says in, in Romans 5. Therefore, just starting in verse 12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. So Paul is saying there was going to be a second Adam. And we know that that was, was Jesus. <clears throat> and picking up again in verse 15, But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification." For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. That's, that's awesome. And, and so, so what Paul is saying is, is because of the first Adam... When, when we sinned, it became necessary for us to die. When the second Adam came, and, and essentially our sin was our response to the, the sin slash curse of the first Adam, because there, there are those who say that the, the work of Christ on the cross applies to everyone without the need for response. That, that, that is gaining traction uh, on the earth today, that idea. And, and that is not true. Because just as sin was the, the necessary response to the mistake, the, the sin of the first Adam which would then earn us death, we have to respond to now the gift of the second Adam, our justification, which is our response of faith, saying, yes, <laughs> I believe that, that you were God and man and you did this for me and I receive. And... And as such, that is our correct response to, to receive that justification. Uh, 
So that's what he's saying. And there's, there's a lot more there than just that, but I, I'm going to leave that part at that because <clears throat> I want to get to the picture, the illustration of our baptism. And, and there we're going to skip on to Romans chapter 6. And we could start in verse 1, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and start in verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. I'm going to stop there for a minute because this, this is what we really have to see, that newness of life thing. So Paul is saying when, when we're baptized, that, that is a, that's a physical picture of us identifying ourselves with the death and burial and resurrection of Christ Jesus. That we might walk in newness of life. And, and the last part of what Paul said in that passage in Romans 5 was that those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness might reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. In, in other words, there, there is a victory, a, a victorious life that, that is available to us. that somehow we need to forcefully lay hold of. <laughs> that, that is the kingdom. That, that is living in another kingdom. <clears throat> and that is the newness of life. It's, it's the reigning in life. And, and we're, we're going to see more of that. So picking up in Romans 6, verse 5, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And we're going to get more into that verse probably next week. But we'll go on with verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died to sin once for all. Not just once and for all for him, but once and for all, period. 
actually comma in this verse, <laughs> but the life he lives, he lives to God. So that you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. So sin is to no longer have dominion, power, over us. And, and this, this is truth. Uh, <clears throat> sin doesn't have the control over us as born-again people of God that it once did. Now that doesn't mean that we no longer sin because oftentimes we, we do. But we have to understand the difference between sin having power over us versus the power of our own unsanctified thinking and habitual responses to things that, that need to be renewed. That, that our, our mind, our thinking needs to be renewed it needs to be brought up to the level of God so that we don't fall into those same habits of response that we used to. There's, there's a difference. There's a difference between sin having power over us and us falling into unsanctified habits. And we've we got to understand that. We, we, we have to lay hold of that by faith. Because it, it is the truth. And, and Paul said our, our old self was crucified with Christ so that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Because there, there's something greater that God has for us. And it is laying hold of the kingdom, forcefully laying hold of the kingdom. It is reigning in life, as Paul said in Romans 5.17, it is that newness of life that he talked about in Romans 6, 4. There's, there's something new, something greater that God wants to take us to. But we, we got to let him keep working. <laughs> and it's... 
it's a process. If, if only we, we would get there all at once. <laughs> but see, the, the Lord has set this thing up because he, he wants us to learn to overcome these things in his power. There, there are things that he will enable us to do, but he won't do them for us. And, and I, I think that's part of what I'm talking about today. He's, he's, he's given us some, some freedom. He's given us some possibilities for a new future. But, but he doesn't forcefully move us there. We, we have to move ourselves there in faith, in, in his power. And, and that, that is mystery. And, you know, the, the more I have dug into this, um, we, we got to embrace this mystery. Because this is mystery. Because we, we know that, that when Paul... Well, I'm going to get into this in a little bit. Um, <clears throat> so if Jesus didn't just die for us, but he died as us, what does death mean to us now? As people of God who are new creations. Well, it, it basically means the cessation of bodily functions and, and nothing more. Because we don't die. What... Jim, Jim Sheldon, his body is no longer here with us. He's, he's alive. <laughs> and John, his body is no longer here, but he is alive. They didn't die in, in the true sense of death. It was just a, a passing through from the realm of what is seen to the realm that is unseen. Without so much as a missed breath. And, and this is what Jesus said in, in, Roman, or in John 8, 51. Truly, truly, I say to you, which, which means... <laughs> What I'm about to say is the truth, even though you're not going to believe it. Uh, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. That's why he had to say, truly, truly, I say to you. <laughs> that should be encouraging to us. Uh, it's, it's this truth that enables martyrs to stand. 
And, you know, <clears throat> I, I've read much of Fox's Book of Martyrs, and it's highly recommended reading uh, for, for everyone. Uh, but many believe that, that when evil people kill God's people, sometimes by very horrendous means, that, that the Lord does something uh, such that they don't endure the pain. Um, I, I remember uh, reading of uh, one of the early church fathers who was, um, they, they poured hot oil over him and then they set him on fire. And, and he never cried out. And if, if you saw the, the recent beheadings, uh, I don't recall any of them crying out. And, I mean, a beheading, that's gruesome. And it doesn't happen just in a split second. So I, I think there's something there. But but anyway, I I don't really want to get any more in, into that, but em, embracing the mystery of our participation in, in Jesus' death. And probably the one passage that is most familiar to to everyone related to this is Galatians 2.20 where Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. <clears throat> Now, Paul obviously was not speaking in, in literal, physical terms. He was not on one of the three crosses where, where Jesus was crucified. He's speaking of something else, and, and we know what he was speaking of from the passage in Romans. It, it was his old self to use his own words from Romans 6, that was crucified with Christ. And, and we know something about the old self of Paul. I, I mean, he, he was zealous for something. <laughs> he thought he was zealous for the Lord. I, I'm not so sure that he was really zealous for the Lord. He was zealous for something. I, I think he was zealous for recognition from his peers. I, I think he was zealous for promotion uh, among his peers. Uh, Zealous for 
the, the religion of Judaism that he was brought up in and, and the place of the temple. I, I believe he was zealous for, for all those things. And, and if, you, if you recall the, the two messages that I gave on, on the ten nations that had to be driven out of the promised land uh, and how they represent attitudes, ways of thinking that we need to overcome and eradicate from, from our lives. Uh, a lot of those applied to Paul. And in that time that, that Paul had in the wilderness, and, and we don't know very much about the discipling of Paul, and I, I wish we did, but it, it sure seems that, that he was discipled by the Lord Jesus. Uh, the way he writes some, some things. Uh, <clears throat> but his... He completely abandoned and considered as dead all of his old ways of thinking that led him to persecute the church and want to arrest believers in Jesus and, and just be, be the biggest thorn in the side of, of the church that, that there was. And instead, he, he became the greatest apostle. Planting churches throughout the, the known world, writing half of the New Testament, and you know we, we all look to him, we all receive from him as as we study the word. So it, it's not hard to see that there, there was an old Paul who was very religious, who probably was full of pride. Uh, and self-promotion, self-protection. Uh, <laughs> fear of rejection. You know, who, who knows what, what all was in there. But man, there was a transformation that took place. As he, he became this humble man who, who completely abandoned his old way of teaching. Because I, I would guess that, that Paul, if, if you sat under him, the old Paul, you, you would have just been amazed at his intellect, his grasp of language, his manner, everything about him. You, you would have said, now that guy has it going on. <laughs> I want to sit under this guy. But yet what he says to the Corinthians, you know, when I came to you, I, I did not speak with smooth, cultured words. I, I gave it to you simple and with power. Because he, the difference for Paul between the old man and the new man was he relied on Christ Jesus. He, he knew that Christ Jesus was his life. 
and and he had he had brought his soul <laughs> to true submission to his spirit and and his spirit being in in communion with the lord that that he became a totally different person and so that's what he's talking about i think there there was an old me that that, that old me it it died on the cross with with jesus <laughs> and there there is a new me <laughs> that will reign in this life. And it reigns in this life because it is the life of Jesus that's coming forth in me. And and that, I mean, that, that would have been completely evident to anyone who really knew Paul. This this was this was a different kind of life that was coming forth from from this man. It wasn't even human <laughs> in its origin. It was heavenly in its origin, and as such, it was it was preeminent wherever he was. <laughs> but it could be such because he was humble, and. And this this is <clears throat> what what Paul's talking about when he talks about reigning in life and the newness, walking in the newness of life. See the the life that is within us, that is the life of God, is is a, a dominant, preeminent life that will that if we let it out, it, it will actually ascend in, in whatever uh, situation we find ourselves in. And so, you know, I, I, think, I think this is probably the main problem issue for, for the church in, in America right now, is... We, we have too much of the crucified life that's still coming forth, the dead life, and not enough of the preeminent life of Christ coming forth. Because if, if everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus was truly living the crucified life in, in America... The, the influence of heaven on our nation would, would be totally different. It, it would be pervasive. It, it would be powerful. And, and, and this, this is the answer. <laughs> it's, it's the life of Christ coming forth through us. And, you know, it's, it's up to you and me. <laughs> and everyone who who calls on the name of Jesus uh to to let that life come forth um another 
passage that uh, is significant in, in this regard is Colossians 3, uh, 1 through 4. And, and this, is, this is, I think, part of the answer to get to where I'm talking about. Because I'm not where I want to be with this either. Uh, so Paul says, if then you have been raised with Christ, so again, he's speaking to us, the people of God, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life, and maybe we could put in parentheses, your, your true life or your real life, is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. And that's what we're singing about on, in that last song. <laughs> when Christ, our true life, appears, then we will appear with him in glory as well. <clears throat> because if we participated with him in the cross, we definitely are going to participate with him in his resurrection as well. But we died, and our true life is hidden with Christ in God. So... What does it mean for Christ to be our life? I've said a little bit about this uh, recently, and, and I think it's <clears throat> important that I speak some of this again. This is about entering into the, the truth and, and the reality of that new life of Christ that is our true life, our real life. So John chapter 6, starting in verse 48, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread or he's actually saying, I am the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. There's that truth again. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And so we, we enter into eternal life when we're born again, not when this body shuts down. That's why we don't die. So if anyone, I am the bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And we know he went on from there to, <clears throat> to speak in such a way as to disperse most of the crowd <laughs> that was following him as he, he talked about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. 
But what he's getting at is something that he also said in Matthew 4, 4, when he was speaking to the devil during his time of testing in the wilderness, he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And we know from John chapter 1 that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So he's saying to all of us that we don't live by what we physically eat alone, but by the word that comes from the mouth of God. So we, we need to, to feed our, our spirit man daily from the mouth of God. And, and that's, that's this. <laughs> and, and it really helps if, if we pray a prayer that Jesus told us to pray related to this. And it's, it's something that I, I think most people have a, a mistaken understanding of as, as part of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come in me. Your will be done in me. Give me today my daily bread. He's not talking about a sandwich. He's not saying, ask God that you'll have something to eat today. He's saying, feed my spirit today because I need some of that spiritual bread every day. And then he goes on, um, and, and forgive us our debts as, as we have also forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. But I, I want us to, to grasp that that Jesus is telling us to pray every day for that daily bread that is our spiritual food, not our physical food. That's why Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread that comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's why he's, when the disciples asked him to teach them how to pray, he was telling them how to pray that their spirit would be nourished every day. So when we come to the word of God every day, it's very helpful <laughs> quite possibly even necessary that we pray that prayer. Father, I, I pray that you would, as I get into your word today, 
I, I pray that you would give me my daily bread uh, and feed my spirit. Strengthen me in my spirit that the life that your life would come forth in me because I need your life. And, you know, this, this is part of what Jesus is talking about when he is talking about abiding in him. The, the abiding of the branch in the vine is all about nourishing and, and feeding and strengthening. It's that connection, that continual connection that he wants us to have. <clears throat> it's, it's part of what he's talking about when he gives us the invitation, come to me, all you who labor and are weary and, and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So it's, it's our self-life that was crucified with Jesus. Our, our real life is the life of Jesus in us that transforms us, that, that makes us a a vehicle of heaven on the earth. And so I, I want to share with you um, something that I, I really felt like this, this was from the Lord as I was studying um, for this message earlier this week. The, the slide that starts out, we still have two lives. Because you'll probably want to write this down and meditate on it. I did. Because <clears throat> I, I believe this was from the Lord. He said, we, we still have two lives. One that is dead, that cannot minister life, nor can it please God according to Romans chapter 8. The other is our true life that will be eternal, which pleases God and can minister the life of heaven to others. One reaches to us from the grave as if to pull us into it. The other reaches to us from heaven as if pulling us upward to God, to Christ, to fruitfulness. It is the life of Christ which truly is our life and can bring transformation. That second paragraph is... It's, it's a vivid picture of our old life 
that was crucified with Jesus, it's, it's in the grave. <laughs> but it, it wants to pull us back. It wants to pull us into the grave. But our true life is the life of heaven that is wanting to pull us higher <laughs> and, and fill us so that, so that our bellies can be rivers of living water. So I, I would just finish with <clears throat> with a couple questions. Um, which life are you feeding? And which life is leading? Um, we we all have to answer those questions. As we we feed both of those lives probably on a daily basis and we feed that life of the spirit with the word of god with the time that we're in prayer the time that we're silent before the lord all, all the disciplines are are designed to feed that life of the spirit that's within within us And there, there is a reality, and, and it is that a life that is never fed will never lead. Will never lead. And I, I mean, we can see that in Paul. I don't think he ever fed that old life. <laughs> So it, it was as if it was completely dead, like it wasn't even there anymore. And he, he fed that life from heaven that was within him. So it led. And so I, I just want to encourage us to, to feed that life of heaven that's, that's within us. And even if it feels like you're not making any progress, you are. Because that's the enemy. <laughs> he, he wants you to think that that time feeding the Spirit is just wasted time, but it's never wasted time. We can't trust our feelings. We have to do things by faith. And, and that... Therein is, is the key to feeding the life of Christ within us is that we do it by faith. So we come to the Word, and in faith we pray, Lord, give me today my daily bread. I, I need you to strengthen my spirit. And praying that in faith, we, it'll happen. It, it will happen. <clears throat> So, there, there's just, uh, I guess I'll close with this, uh, 
this last passage on where Jesus talks about the cost of being a disciple. Is it... I, I heard a, a missionary from China talking about the difference between disciples and believers one day. And in, in China, he said, they have a lot of disciples. But he said, in America, it looks like you, you have a lot of believers. And, and there's, there's a difference. And this is what Jesus told his disciples. And starting in, in Matthew 16, verse 24, And Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life, and I might say whoever would save his old life or his crucified life will, will lose it. But whoever loses his life, lets it stay in the grave, for my sake will find it, because he'll find his true life. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory, glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the cross. Uh, you accomplished so much on the cross. It, it's hard for us to even grasp all of it, and I, I don't think we really can. But I, I thank you that we, as those who have responded to you in faith, we, we were crucified with you. And I, I pray that, Lord, as we seek you on this, that you would give us revelation. That you would give us wisdom to, to feed our, our true life, our real life, that is your life uh, that's within us, and that your life in us would, would grow and expand, and that our old life would, would just get weaker. So Lord, we, we ask that you would raise up... <coughs> your people in this country, filled with your life to, to bring transformation. That's, that's what we need. So Lord, you've, you've given us what's needed for us to be transformed. So help us to do our part and show us what our part is. And we know you'll do your part as we respond. So, Lord, strengthen us in our inner being. Lord, feed your life within us 
with the, the truth that we've heard today. For the glory of your Son. Amen.